Hello. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you again. Um, this is such a treat for me. So thank you for trusting me with this privilege of giving us a chance to get to know Dave better. Dave and I ate up 45 minutes on the phone like that this week. And so half an hour, man, Dave, we got to go, right? Um, so here's the game. He's, first of all, first moment of introduction to Dave. I love this. I said to Dave, scripted or unscripted? And he said, unscripted. And I went, I like this man already. Because that I is regret my, that already. My cut, yeah, right? So I'm like, oh, this is awesome, because he has no idea. Um, okay, so this is the game. We have green cards and pink cards and blue cards. And Dave, you get to pick a green and a pink and a blue. And these are like our rapid fire ones at the beginning, okay? So we, I don't even know which one you're going to pick. You pick one of each. I will back up so we are not alarmingly close together. The... Um, Pick a card, one for each color, and this is what we're starting with, but these are like the quick answers, okay? All right, here we go. All right, pink is the winner at the beginning. Oh, too hard, just a sec, we'll start it with a better one. Oh, Dave! Okay. Get the car warmed up, honey, oh, we're man. leaving. Man, like, no, like, those are hard ones to start with. I'm good at easing in. Something that amazes you. My wife. Love that. Into the perfect segue into my next question. Folks, meet Tina. Tina's here with Dave today. Hello, hello. We're so glad you're here. Um, Dave, why don't we use that as a segue? Tell us about your family. Well, we have three boys, boys, men together. Um, we have four grandchildren and uh, no great-grandchildren yet. I think that's pushing it at our age, but uh, we've been married 30, almost 34 years. We've just got a couple more months to go. Um, not much to tell of them. We're a normal family that has uh, traveled and done ministry and done some crazy stuff that all our, our two sons' wives wished they were there for when they were younger, and I've just loved doing ministry together. It's kind of weird that this is the first time without one of our kids with us. The last church we did, we actually had to do worship as well, and he drummed for us. So this is, we're empty nesters in the church, too, for the first time. Mm. I think I want my kids' spouses to say, eventual spouses, to say that they wish they'd been part of our family earlier. That's a pretty huge compliment. I love that. Um, okay, so what would those people, like your crew, what words would they use to describe you? A little nuts, but in a good way. Um, passionate, very passionate, and um, demanding, and that would not be a negative thing. They always knew mistakes were allowed, but we're demanding in practice, we're demanding preparing, we want to be as good as we can be, but when it's done, it's done. It's time to laugh on the way home at the silly things we messed up and enjoy in the, the fact that we've done well. So it, it is a gracious environment, but preparation was important. I think it's neat to hear my kids say, Dad, I'm glad you pushed me so hard, because sometimes you wonder if you push them too hard, and that's coming back as a, a positive. Nice. Thank you. Okay, on to the blue one now that we're warmed up. You ready? Okay. What's an issue you think not enough people are talking about? Woo! You picked it, pal. What's the, an issue that not enough people are talking about? You can take I have that another as choice? High and low as you want. <laughs> like, you can choose your level of depth on that one. The church answer to me is how much God needs to be the center. I really think we talk a lot about the programs, the, and you'll hear more of this over the next year, but I do think we talk a lot about creating a version of God for people to see 
And I think we don't talk enough about the miraculousness of God, where God just steps in and does something, and small or big. I think we've lost that. And I love noticing God even on the drive over and the change in scenery. It's flat out here. It's hilly where we come from. And just the beauty of that snow. I think we miss God in some of the simplicities and some of the incredible things he does because we're busy, busy doing programs, busy working hard. It'd be nice just to talk about the God that's with us every day. On that note, very superficially, where are you driving in from, just so people know where you are? Just outside of Newmarket in Keswick. So an hour and 45. If you're following me, it's an hour and... Never mind, I get here. <laughs> Thank you for being willing to make that trek. All right, here's the pink one. These are hard. You picked hard ones. The next service will be easier because you've left all the easy ones on the table. What part of yourself would you like to improve? My hairline. <laughs> I started the last transition with a full head of hair, and halfway through, I shaved it off. So if it grows back, it's going well. If it stays off, it's not going well. Yeah. Truth is, I would like to lose a little weight, and it is difficult for me for some health reasons, but I would love to lose a little weight just to be a little healthier. Um, other than that, I'm just happy progressing in life. Nice. Love that. Following up on the January theme. Um, so I'm wondering, in addition to the family members you've talked about already, um, tell us about someone else that's had a big influence on you. Gee, that's a tough one. I have a friend who's a pastor. He's 10 years younger than me. And, uh, I would say what I know of pastor John is very similar to him, a pastor's pastor. And the influence is the fact that he visits everyone. It is a smaller congregation. I don't want to put pressure on anyone here, but he visits everyone in his congregation, tries to it once a month. And when COVID hit, he felt like he wasn't a pastor anymore. It was so difficult. It isn't a rural community. Internet doesn't work well. And there's some older people who it doesn't matter how it works. They don't know how to work it. But his connection, his willingness to be there, rather than the big speaker, and he's a very good speaker, your friend. And I've sat with him as he had troubles in his church, and we wept together over some things that hurt him. And he sat with me through some health issues and family issues, and again, we wept together. And he's just there for you. And yet he's an excellent speaker. He didn't give up one for the other. I want to be a good pastor and a good speaker, and I don't want to be one or the other, which I think is kind of prevalent now. I want to be Pastor Dave, not Speaker Dave. Yes, thanks for that. Really helpful, too, to, to kind of transition into talking a bit more about your new role here, because as you know, a transitional pastor is new for us. Um, and so we're all heading into a new experience with it. And I'm curious about job description. Like, we're just at a sort of superficial level. What will or won't you be doing? And for roughly how long? Just give us kind of the outline of the plan. First thing I say in every interview is I'm not your next pastor. I am the pastor for now. I will be out of here. And I always joke, if you like me, I'll leave too soon. If you don't like me, it's never soon enough. <laughs> but my job is to make sure that by not applying for that job, I'm not in a year long, or if it takes a little longer, year and a half long time of trying to say all the right things to get the job. If you don't like what I say, I'm not worried about losing an opportunity. That's a positive, but I also have to ask my wife and make sure I'm in check that I'm not taking advantage of the fact that it really doesn't matter. I have to make sure that I don't become callous. But the job description is fairly open. I usually take over a lot of the lead pastor roles. 
Um, but some I can't. I don't know you. And some of the sort of counseling, the personal stuff, I just can't do. I can't build that relationship. The main thing is that transition happens and any lead pastor roles that can't be done are, are put off or given to someone else because that's more important. My job description is fairly open as far as I preach Sundays. I have to be for, here for that. Some of the staff functions and I'm involved with the board and helping them look at how they lead. But it does have some fluidity because as you'll find out, some of the things I'm going to do in the next few weeks, normally we're done at the end of a transition. But as God has led me, I really feel they, they belong here. And I like the fluidity because I need to know what's going on to help address it. The final and the biggest goal is to challenge you enough that you're uncomfortable, not to tell you how to change, but to give you ideas of change. And I, I don't want anybody comfortable because I don't think God wants us to get complacent. We want to be comfortable that we're going to heaven, comfortable that God loves us, but always wondering, God, am I on the right track? And I really want people to be challenged because for me, that's what excites me. I want us to always ask, why do we do what we do? And if I can keep you asking that of God not and each other, but more of God, we'll get some answers that will amaze us. And then I don't think there's really a right or wrong unless it's outside of biblical truth. But I do think if I can even give you the craziest idea in the world and you say, Dave, you're crazy, we're not doing that, at least you ruled something out. But if we're thinking, we can say yes and no. If we're not, we're just going to spend a year all saying we love each other, but have we truly challenged ourselves to love more, to love our community, love one another, first of all? And I think that's the big goal. I don't know how loving you are towards each other, but if you're still here, you haven't figured it all out. God will take you home when he's done with you down here. It's great to grow together. And that is my job description, growth and change, but not my change because I'm leaving. Change that God leads you to do. That also helps you pick your next pastor because now the pastor fits the change and the goals that God has given you rather than us coming up with a goal and then bringing someone in and suddenly it doesn't work. The other advantage is your next pastor doesn't do the transition, end up leaving in three or four years as that person figures out how to function. I can take that heat off. We're filling a role and they're moving you forward. Churches that don't do transitions often end up with a pastor of three to four years. And it's not always a good fit because they don't know where they're at. The pastor is trying to lead one way and it may not be a good fit. So I'm hoping it helps you pick a pastor that's taking you or leading you or joining you would be the better word in where God has already told you you're going. Either that or we just keep replacing pastors because we're not answering God's call, we're filling a role. So multi-part question, this one, take it where you like, but I'm curious um, what you love about that job um, and what you don't and kind of how your giftedness intersects with that job description. What do I love about it? I love seeing people light up. The problem is often that's three, four months later and it can be difficult. Um, I've been in board meetings where it's not been comfortable and I've really not said anything other than challenged what everybody do, does because they do it. You know, we all put our pants on one leg at a time and usually it's the same leg every time. And in challenging them and saying, well, put your pants on the other leg first. Can, and that doesn't sound major, but that's, as a metaphor, a major thing for them. You know we're all picturing this now, right? Uh, yeah, like I know. I know. Great. <laughs> not, yeah, just try okay, to shirt one sleeve at a time. Uh, never mind. I'm not out of this one. I shave my head down, up. The point is, is to challenge that can cause issues because it's not comfortable. But when the light comes on, 
And what you don't know is two weeks ago when I spoke, I had someone here from the previous church, what I, which I had mentioned, uh, I think in the second service, not the first. That church actually closed, the hardest thing I've ever done. Uh, but it had been on survival mode for probably 20 years. It really never grew. It got big and small and big and small, but never grew. That was the toughest thing I've ever done. The pause of whether that person is here and excited about their faith, even though they had to go through some horrific statements directly to their face, they grew in Christ, they lit up, and actually weathered the storm. We weathered it together. So there was the toughest and yet the most joyous moment. I see the joy of God in him in a way that was never there before, even though the church closed. So they're kind of together, the happiness and the sadness. Um, I love the job because God made me this way and I never knew it. I swore I'd never be a pastor. I often made the statement, if I'm the pastor of a church, you're going to leave the church because I wouldn't go there. I did worship. I did theater. I wanted to be a performer. I trained to be a performer. And I didn't want to be a performer when I preached. And I think that's where the, the resistance to God... The first and second church I was hired at, both, I was working them at the same time, both lost their pastors around the same time. One had a car accident, had a major head injury, and I ended up taking up the role of heading up their outreach dinners to the homeless people in Toronto. The other actually hired me and four months later decided he couldn't take the church anymore and left. And there was on-the-job training. It wasn't my job to actually be transitional, but I saw what happens. And I had no idea that years and years later, every church I went to would be in some form of flux. And somehow I could navigate it. And somehow I could sort of push the buttons, get people to think. They may be upset, but they, they, they loved the challenge. And all of a sudden it shows up. God gives me the offer of a, a place to co-transition pastor. And I just fell in love with it. Um, you don't want me as your permanent pastor. I am not the guy you want around poking around because there's a point at which we become, it's not that we're unhealthy, we become more healthy, more ready for the next step. It's kind of like we can jog five kilometers instead of one. And you don't want me around trying to figure out why you can't jog five kilometers when you're actually ready to jog 10. God has called me to look, to prod, to be uncomfortable, and then to leave once the healing has taken place or the growing has taken place. 10 years from now, you don't want me asking the same questions. I mean, hopefully you'll miss me, but I'm not of any positive aspect to a church if I'm constantly prodding. There's a point at which then we move forward. Thank you. So if part of this is that your goal is to kind of hand off a healthier, more healthy church, I feel like the unhealthy, healthy thing is a little binary for me, but the, you know, further along that journey to health, um, what kinds of things do you see? Like, what are you, what are you watching for? that would give you a clue that we are um, getting readier for that transition to be happening at the other end of it. I don't want to give you the secrets. You can all fake it. It's like getting the answers ahead of time. I am looking for conflict that doesn't kill the church. I know it sounds strange, but conflict is healthy when it's done healthily. Um, I am looking for people able to put in a phrase something like, uh, here's a great example. Let's talk about masks. I don't like wearing a mask, but I understand its value. I look for people during COVID who even may say, I'm not sure the mask works, but if it makes someone else comfortable, that's all that matters. So they're able to take their own opinion and then see how it applies to others. So, you know, I, that was not a comment on where I stand on masks, but I don't mind someone saying I don't think they work. 
as long as they understand that for someone who has a compromised immune system, I prefer you wear it around me. I prefer you care enough about me to wear your mask. Um, and that's a great metaphor for the church. I prefer you have an opinion, because I think we should all, but know at some point it needs to be your opinion expressed in terms of I'm more concerned about the other person. That means we're ready to bring people in a healthier church or a very healthy church is able to be what it is, be comfortable where it is, but at the same time understand others don't see it that way. I think that's the big moment. And that's a road of forgiveness. It's a road of reconciliation. It's a road of recognizing that, hey, things in the past have affected us. But once we recognize the things in the past that affect us, we can say, I was hurt or even I was happy. I enjoyed that, but this is a new time and it all gets a proper slot in our thought process. And I'm hoping that will happen. For some, it takes longer. But I often, a lot of transitional pastors say it's kind of like going to group counseling, almost like cognitive behavior therapy, where you're trying to figure things out then trying to be able to reason them and understand the reality of what's going on, and you're more healthy. Yes, I'm scared, but it is safe in my church would be a great example. I don't think there's a perfect church out there. I think there will be a perfect church, but it's not out there. It's going to be up there when, when it's all over. But I do believe there are churches that are comfortable in a good way because they understand they're not perfect. They're seeking God in everything. So we've had a little bit of an opportunity to hear more from you this week and a couple weeks ago. Um, can you tell us more about how you plan to get to know us, especially living in Keswick? COVID's killing everything, but normally what I do is have, uh, in a church this side, we may have size, we'd have meetings, uh, maybe some food or something, and do smaller groups, or even a full-size group, maybe two groups like a church service, but around tables, split off, um, start having questions to talk about, trying to come up with some consensus, some idea. It is going to be more difficult, so I'm going to wing this for a while, because as the restrictions change, we may be able to do more. Some of it may have to be one-on-one, -on -one. and we've talked about the fact that the goal is a year. I may find myself at a year and a half instead, just because it's going to be difficult to get together in the larger groups. The other thing is, to do those challenges cause people to seek out and talk to me, and I know you more by how you express yourself and how you want to know more or how you want to say, hey, I'm not happy with that. That's how I get to know you, to know where you're coming from. I'd love to get to know each one of you, it's a big church in a short period of time. So I just simply say, my door's open, get a hold of me, tell me what you want to tell me. Um, I do look for commonalities, because then I can deal with that corporately, and then individual things that either one of the staff members or myself can deal with as well. But if you want to talk to me, I'd love to hear your story. I will do my best, but COVID just makes it so difficult to just say, hey, let's all get together and hang out and talk. Your lead pastor in the future will hopefully get to know you more and be closer to you, but that's not because I don't want to. It's simply limited time in COVID. My phone number is going to be published, my email. I'm happy to talk to anyone. As you know, I love to chat with people. Often I find myself a little behind in my day because I've just had a good time chatting with the staff or with people who've called. So please, my door is always open. My goal is to get to know you as a church, and some of you as individuals, if I was here two, three years, all of you as individuals, I, I'm sorry I didn't make COVID, but I'm kind of stuck with the restrictions of it. Yeah. Um, I love that distinction of you know, getting to know us as a church and, and individuals in that. And 
I mean, let's talk about kind of what you're noticing um, in these weird COVID times, because certainly in the work that I'm doing with a lot of different organizations, people are exhausted, right? I mean, people are depleted, they're tired. We've heard a lot about languishing, right? We're, here we are yet again, it's Groundhog Day for two years. What, so I'm just curious how that piece intersects with a church's journey that has been through hard things. Um, Maybe I'm looking for a word of encouragement or something. I don't know what I'm asking exactly, other than to say that I really admire it when people are not oblivious to context. And I think context here is really important. So I'm wondering, I don't know, does that make you want to say anything? I think what I'd like to say is that we need to recognize that some of the things I say or we go through have an added dimension. It's kind of like you come home and had a bad day at work and get in your, a fight with your spouse over how many peas are on the plate. It's not about the peas on the plate, it's about the bad day at work. I think we have to be constantly aware there is a dynamic that we ha has become normal, but not normal, because we do think it's going to end or at least change. But if we're not aware of that, that heightened, we can't deal with some of the issues that are going to be there whether there was COVID or not. So I'm trying to be aware, but also you're gonna to have to give me some grace because where I would normally push some buttons and say, hey, we gotta look at this, we gotta deal with this, you're gonna come in with so-and-so's got COVID in my family and I can't. That's something I can't guess. So just be aware there's dimensions that are not normal and I think we all know that, but even in your relationships, everybody's a little on edge, everybody's a little tired, no one wants to hear the word COVID, but the rest of the world out there is suffering without Jesus. Let's not forget that. How we deal with COVID by not ignoring it prepares us to be kind and loving to those who have dealt with it without Jesus, without that sense that if I get it and I don't make it, I know where I'm going. So I think it's important not to forget COVID, but there is a balance. We're not trying to live in COVID, but the rest of the world is tired in a totally different way. I know that you know if I come here and catch COVID and it does me in, I'm never gonna get sick again. You know, I, I'm going somewhere where it's way better than here, nothing personal. Uh, but, you know, it's not that I have a death wish, but I have an understanding there's a world out there that doesn't. So as much as you're uncomfortable, just think about your neighbor who's just worried if they get it, they won't be able to make enough money. If they die from it, what happens? And I do think we're weary, but I think we probably would be less weary if we actually looked at it in its reality rather than try to run away from it. We're wearing masks. You can go in a bank with a mask on. Learn to laugh, you know. It, learn to laugh at the fact that you know what you ate the last time you wore your mask. Those type of things, just have fun. Um, I did that this morning and threw the mask out and put another one on. But anyway, I, I think that if we, we've got to learn to laugh because it's not in our control, but we have Jesus. And that is in our control in the sense that we can worship, follow, and trust. And when we're scared, we can worship, follow, and trust again, and we can keep coming back, and he welcomes us back. But I do believe we forget others don't have that. We've got the best thing in this world. We have the love of our creator. It makes me think of the, um, the challenge of kind of attribution. Like, like you know, I, I would imagine in the kind of work you do that you would see stuff that are s symptomatic of something, right? And you come in partway through a story that you're trying to figure out and you're seeing stuff and you know, I think my sort of analytical brain would be like, oh, that's because of this and that's because of that. And I, I guess I, as I was hearing you talk about that last paragraph, I was thinking, 
man, like the irritability, for example, that I see in everyone around me that I'm working with, you know, it's easy to attribute that to the, you know, peas on the dinner plate, the bad day, the struggle at church, the pandemic, the, you know, murder hornets and wildfires and volcanoes under the sea, right? So I guess I'm just wondering, can you speak a bit about how, in the ways that you're gifted around discernment, maybe, to figure out how what you're seeing connects with the job you've been asked to do? A statement I've made before is if I tried to do this job in the world outside the church, I would fail. And I really believe that. Um, we've heard the term imposter syndrome. It's been used a lot in TV shows now. To me, there are things that God reveals that I have no idea in my own power. So some of that is a spiritual gift. And I think our mistake is, and you'll hear this from me in the future, we've done talent tests to figure out our spiritual gifts. But our spiritual gifts are powerful. They're beyond our own natural talents. So that discernment piece has a part of it that I cannot describe. But there are moments, and I know Julie and I have been talking over the few months before I came here, and I'd say, I just saw this. And tell her something. She goes, how did you know? I don't know this church at all. But there are those moments of discernment where I'm able to say, is this what's going on? Or I saw this, is it caused by this? That's imperative. But if I'm wrong, you can say no, and we've just ruled something out. For the most part, when it's a discernment thing, if I'm in tune with God, I'm right. Well, better, he's right, and I've listened. I don't mean I'm right. And I think that's really important in the process because often the outside eyes can say, did you notice this? Kind of like, was it about the peas or wasn't it? And that piece is because I'm not inside. I have not gone through what you went through. Some things in my life are worse, some things are better, but I have not gone through what you've gone through. I can bring things up also that doesn't matter to me that I bring them up. I'm not looking for the job. I think that helps the discernment too. I'm able to say, did such and such happen or is such and such going on? Have you ever thought of this? And first of all, you know, my, it's my job, so you give me some grace. But second of all, I'm the outside eyes. I've already been able to see things here in the way we function that you won't see because it's just the way we function, good and bad. Um, I'm hoping those outside eyes will be received as an opportunity for positive change and to allow us to be more effective, not as a guy getting in your face and ruining your lives because they're all fine the way they are. So the discernment is both God, but there's also just being the new guy and not being, I often say churches get stuck as they evolve when they should be making choices. Choices God gives them purposefully. And they don't recognize, evolution in a church is so slow, it just becomes us and we don't know why. Purposeful choices, we become what God calls us to be or not if we choose against God. I think that's something I can really point out. Hey, did you notice you do that? Do you know why? Well, we've always done that. Okay, but what's the choice God has given you? What is the purpose of that? Some things disappear, other things we actually go, no, God told us, we just forgot. And we become energized and excited that we're doing what God called us to do. It's not all negative, but it is all about change and understanding what we can build on. Two more and we're done. One is, what's our role in helping this process succeed? Be gracious. This is not going to be comfortable, and I don't want you to be scared, but it won't be, because we are looking inside of ourselves. That's a big part of the role, is, is listen. Be open to God. That's the second thing. I am trying, and I will make suggestions. I'll push you in different directions, even if I know the direction isn't quite right, just to get some friction out of you to push back. 
Great example is that I used to sit in the board meetings at my last church. I wouldn't pray at all. And finally, some guy said to another guy, never came to me as the pastor and said, what's wrong with that pastor? He never prays. The other guy knew, and he turns to me and says, he doesn't pray. He wants to see if you will actually stand up for what God calls us to do. So I, I, that part of the process, be open. Let me push you and push back. And I don't mean out of anger, but say, hey, why are we doing this? Why is he doing this? Be open. I think people are afraid of change because they think it means they were doing something wrong. But that's not what change is about. Change is about being ready for today and tomorrow, not being what you were yesterday because no one's back there anymore. So if you can be gracious and willing to let me push you a bit and challenge you and not take it personally, then we'll grow like crazy because God will speak to you and I become redundant. I'm not needed anymore. I, at some point, hopefully, I could slip out the back doors and you'd say, where's that bald guy gone? But you won't notice me missing in the way as a church. You become healthier and healthier. But even better still, if you have moments when you're not as healthy, you have the tools to become healthy again. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, last question is what you get to pick on the table. Pick a card. They're easier. You left all the easy ones on the table. Here's hoping. Yeah, <laughs> throw it at me. All right, last one. There we go. This was an awesome choice. What's something kind that someone else has done for you recently? Anything my wife does. I know that sounds crazy. I'm not trying to make brownie points, but my wife has walked with me through so much. And just being there in the car today holding my hand while I know she wanted to sleep. She didn't want to wake up going into a ditch, so she stayed awake. But. <laughs> My wife is supportive and kind, and even in our worst, most difficult times, she's always there. And I, I know that sounds, again, like brownie points, but it's who she is. Loving, encouraging, and I recognize that more every single day. I, I pray each one of you find at least a friend like that, if not a spouse like that. But she is kind to me, and even when she's hard on me, she's kind to me. Even when she sets me straight and I get out of line, she's kind about it. And she'll probably be all embarrassed and tell you differently, but that's her being afraid to admit how incredible she is. So lovely. Thank you so much. You've been and she'll so be different next service. Come back. Yeah, really. <laughs> Um, thank you both for opening yourself to us this way, for being here at all, for making that long drive, and also for being willing to go unscripted this morning. Really appreciate that. Let me pray for us as we transition back into worship. Thanks, Dave. Father God, we are choosing to believe that Pastor Dave is your gift to us, and we are thankful for him and for Tina and for what is in store for this, your church. Um, I woke up this morning singing that lyric of the song that said, like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you. That's from you, God. Even just that lyric is a reminder that you delight in your people and in your church, and we pray that you would fully equip Dave and equip us for this next season of the church you have created and that you are perfecting into your likeness. And so we do pray, along with what Dave has instructed us, that we would be gracious and we would be open to the leading of your spirit, and I pray that for him too, that you'd give him everything he needs for life and godliness while he's with us. Thank you for him. Amen.